You're listening to the Hometown Crowd Podcast, part of the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's episode of Hometown Crowd, we talk about the young quarterbacks making a splash in the first week of the NFL's preseason. Matt gives his breakdown of the AFC and NFC North, an update on the drama with Antonio Brown in Oakland, and a feel-good story out of Cleveland. We also take a look at Major League Baseball's playoff races as we enter the final two months of the season. Locally, the Woodpeckers struggle to create separation in the Carolina League. The Swamp Dogs season comes to an end, and Tim breaks down the local roller derby bout. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the hometown crowd. Welcome to episode two of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyard of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. I'm Mac. Be sure to follow us on all of your social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us your questions at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. Mac, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm just grateful that Tribe has managed to close down an 11-game uh, hole they're in, and now they're fighting for first in the Central. We'll definitely be talking about the playoff race here in the Major League Baseball a little later. Um, but first, last night was the first night of week one in the NFL preseason, and the big topic on everybody's mind is the first look at the several young quarterbacks. Mac, how did they do last night? Uh, I mean, the first guy really I talk about, uh, that I want to talk about is Lamar Jackson. Uh, he, had, he only played a couple series, but you know the biggest knock against him was he takes... Uh, you know, defensive line gets pressure up the middle. He's going to bust outside and run. Last night he didn't do that. Uh, you can see that he's using more of his mobility to just make space to make throws. And on top of that, you know, he made you know he made some good intermediate throws last night. So that's a big step for him, and it's going to help the Ravens out immensely uh, when the season starts. The Ravens will definitely be talked about more in our AFC North preview later tonight. Um, I know on everybody's mind last night was uh, Daniel Jones uh, drafted by the New York Giants over Dwayne Haskins and maybe some other quarterbacks. How did Jones perform last night? I mean, he didn't throw an incompletion. Uh, you know, he led the touchdown drive. Um, and then we have the infamous Eli Manning meme now. Uh, but, I mean, when you get down to it, it's preseason one. Uh, you know, you don't have hardly any of your starters out there. Let's see what happens come the second or third preseason game when the starters are getting a little more reps before they we see nobody in the fourth game. But, uh, I mean, Daniel Jones is going to be one of those guys that's going to be tied to Haskins because the prognosticators all said Haskins was much better. Uh, he had a lot more uh, you know, statistical success at Ohio State in this one year than Daniel Jones did. Um, and let's face it, Jones played at Duke. You know, you're, you're working with slim football pickings there. Um and for me, I, I don't know how Jones is going to be able to handle New York. Uh, I'm surprised Eli. I mean, I, honestly, I just think Eli was too dumb to really buck up against New York press. But Daniel Jones, the minute he has a bad game there, you know, uh, how's he going to handle it? Because let's face it, Eli's not making it through the season as a starter. It's not going to happen. <laughs> right. I think you said even like week three or four yeah. is when we expect to see Jones last week. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, Eli looked like he's looked lost the last three years. And it only exacerbated the issue last year at the end. And can, he, he's not going to have hardly anybody to throw to. Eli's only is as good as the talent that's around him. He's not able to really elevate a team. Uh, you know, so we'll, I, I don't give him a very long leash in New York before the calls from the fans start saying, hey, let's get him in there. And then uh, we'll see how he does. And we've seen how that uh, 
that can play out. In Cleveland last year, Baker Mayfield, it was not long before fans were calling for him. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you get down to it, though, it's because people have given Tyrod Taylor a horrible uh, kind of reputation. Like, he's he's good, but he's not good enough. But the thing is, San Diego has to be thrilled to have a guy like Tyrod Taylor as a backup. Philip Rivers is 37 years old. He's never had a really bad injury to keep him out a big chunk of the season. But knowing Tyrod Taylor's there, uh, you know, and the Chargers played last night. Right. You know, Taylor, I think, played two quarters. Uh, but he looked pretty good. I mean, in Ty- you know what you're getting with Tyrod Taylor. But the thing is, I'd rather have a guy like Tyrod Taylor than Brian Hoyer or, you know, some of the, you know, the Matt Barkleys, mm-hmm. you know. Taylor's shown he can win. He won in Buffalo with limited means around him. You know, he just... Do I think he's he's going to lead your team to a playoff berth? No. But you know what he can do is probably play six games, win four, and, and keep your team afloat until your starter gets back. Uh, jumping from Daniel Jones, obviously we got to talk Dwayne Haskins. Redskins-Browns last night, we saw both Keenan and Haskins in play. Yeah. Uh, Haskins did throw a couple of picks, including a pick six. But but he showed he had good footwork. Uh, when he actually had time in the pocket to throw the ball, you know, he planted that back foot. He threw off of it. Like, he, he looked really good. The issue was is when the Browns were able to get pressure, uh, you know, he – it wasn't pretty. Um, he had that really – that second pick where he just threw it into the ether, you know, and Greedy came up with it. You know, that was, that, that was a bad read. And you're going to see that from a rookie quarterback who's playing behind – an average at best offensive line and their best player that left tackle, uh, Trent Williams, I think he's holding out. Mm. So Dwayne Haskins, uh, I mean, I, I hope he doesn't end up like, um, David Carr who just became so gun shy after his first few seasons in Houston during that, that first year of their operation. Cause I mean, he's going to take sacks, whether if it's him or Case Keenum, those Redskins quarterbacks are going to be on their back a lot. Uh, that offensive line just didn't look good. It doesn't look like they have good depth. And I just I feel bad for him. I mean, I don't think Haskins is going to be the guy that's going to get down on himself. You know, he's a pretty, you know, he, he, how, what he thinks of himself is he's going to be a good quarterback. And that kind of confidence is going to take you a long way. I don't think David Carr had that. Uh, but, I mean, he he's, should just get expected to be staring at grass a lot this season. The last of the young quarterbacks drafted, we got Kyler Murray. How'd he do last night? I mean, he only played one series. Um, but, I mean, Kingsbury, you know, head coach of the the, uh, the Cardinals, excuse me, you know, he's hanging his entire hat. His coaching destiny is hanging on Kyler Murray right now. Uh, Murray looked good. Um, he showed that, they, you know, Arizona kind of adopted the, the slide protection the way the Saints did for Drew Brees to make sure he's got clear throwing paths, um, which is good, you know, because he measures at 5'10". Um, but he looked like he had good footwork. He moved around well in the pocket. And he, you know, the Cardinals' first series was deep in their own end, and he got him within field goal range. So, I mean, there, were, there was movement there before they pulled him. But, I mean, I think we'll, we'll probably see more. I'm interested to see how he deals with uh, multiple series. You know, say you go three and out on your first one, three and out on your second one. Like, how he rebounds from not making it down the field. I mean, because let's face it, the guy had almost 7,000 yards from scrimmage last year at Oklahoma alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's it's not going to be that easy for him to move the ball in the NFL. Right. But, uh, I mean, I people are some people aren't sold on Kyler Murray. 
I, he's a great athlete. He showed he could play ball with the big boys at Oklahoma. So, I mean, let's let's see what he's got before we really, like, rush to judgment. And you can't get much off one series. Like, I, I was really curious about, like, why Kingsbury pulled him after one series. So And hopefully we'll get a lot more to talk about by the time we preview them in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, we cover the West in two weeks, and Kyler should have at least a few more series under his belt. Yeah, I imagine by the third game he's probably going to be playing the entire first half. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, he's he's got to... That that has to be something where he's, you know, going to have to avoid those rushes and and make those reads, and you have to have that over an extended period of time rather than you know, hey man, you got out there for one series, thanks for getting us here, now go sit on the bench. So first series went all right, but yeah, I mean, you it's it's a small window, but I mean he's he knows what he's doing. There's a reason he went number one overall. That's you know, there's there's a reason a lot of people said he was going to be the first pick, um, but then. You know, let's see how he works when he's not out of the shotgun the entire time. Let's see how it works when, you know, he's not, you know, the best athlete on the field at that point. And a lot of games at Oklahoma, he was the best athlete on the field. So, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. You know, young quarterbacks, you know, you can go one of two ways. You can take a beat in the way Peyton Manning did his first year where he went 3-13 and through like almost 30 interceptions and spent a lot of time on his face. And then next year he wins on games, you know, just that bounce back. Or you could have Derek Carr again, who was terrified of a shadow the way Eli's been the last few years, you know. I mean, it's it's important that you you give these young quarterbacks that good springboard uh, to where, yeah, you're going to have your flaws, you're going to have your rookie mistakes, like Haskins had throwing an interception to nobody. Um, but, you know, they're getting, getting them that resiliency to bounce back from, you know, failures on the field is, is important. Who was your youngest guy with the biggest surprise last night? Uh, honestly, it's it's going to be a couple rookie, undrafted rookie free agents. Um, those those are the guys that really impressed me. The Patriots had, his name's Jacoby. He's a wide receiver. Um, he wasn't even, he was just kind of one of those throwing guys. He's really showing up. Uh, he's even making Nikhil Harris look a little bit bad. Um, but... Uh, you know, Nikhil Harris only caught two passes in that first game, but one of them was a first down conversion, and the other one was a 22-yard pass where he caught the ball. Like, he was just, I mean, he's 6'4", 220. Uh, you know, he just out-muscled his corner, you know, got got that reception. Um, I really like Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, I think he's got the good footwork. He's got the arm strength to make the, all the throws that, you know, you need a quarterback to make. And on top of that, he's got that mobility factor as well. So, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play a little more. Um, but on a flip note, what was kind of disappointing last night was Cardale Jones getting put in in the second quarter of that Chargers game. It just kind of hurts to see, you know, Cardale. He's still looking lost on an NFL field. So, <laughs> One of my biggest surprises last night would be Mac Wilson, defensive back for the Cleveland Browns. He called his two picks, including the pick six last night. Um, So that brings us to our AFC North preview. Let's start where everybody's talking. Cleveland makes the biggest splash in the offseason. They bring in Odell Beckham in a trade. They get Vernon. Why are the Browns suddenly going right? Well, they have a – John Dorsey is doing something that uh, Sashi Brown didn't do, and that's draft players. Uh, I mean, Sashi sat on picks and sat on picks and accumulated picks. Um, and his draft record is spotty at best. Okay, uh, but Dorsey came from the Kansas City, you know, came from Kansas City, um, where I mean, you've kind of seen his draft record pan out. And he's a smart, he's a smart front office guy. You know, he knows 
where Sashi Brown relied completely on analytics. He, he realized there's a place in the game for it, but you still game tape's important. So he gets Baker, drafts Chubb, uh, Miles Garrett. You know, you've got all these younger players on the field. Well, what's a way to get a fan base that's been kind of beaten down the last two seasons? You get invigorated by bringing in, in a guy like OBJ. Um, and surprisingly, I figured going from New York to Cleveland, one of the issues would be it's not New York, but he's really just ingrained himself into the city. Yeah, he really feels like it's home for him. Yeah. like um, and I don't know if that's Landry being by his side or he just loves the atmosphere, but... Listen, I know those two played in college together, but Landry is the most overpaid slot receiver in the NFL. Uh, you know, I, I'm not trying that to slight the guy. He's never had a thousand yard season. He barely averages ten yards a catch. You know, the the dominant partner and that's always been Odell Beckham Jr. It's always going to be. I mean, he's a nice piece. You know, don't get me wrong. Having, having that guy that's able to catch a slant. Uh, Landry's biggest thing is he never breaks those things. You know, as for slant receiving the NFL now. Uh, you know, I mean, I hate to say this as a Pats fan, but Edelman and Welker were two slot receivers that were able to break big plays. Landry hasn't really done that. Not even in Miami, when he was the only option for Tannenhill to throw the ball to. Um, but, I mean, Odell Beckham is just, that's going to be a great piece for, for Baker Mayfield's progression as an NFL quarterback. Uh, having, hopefully, Njoku kind of learns how to block, that'd be great. You play tight end, dude. We got it. You're essentially a, a blown-up receiver, but you have to be able to make that contact with a defensive end or a linebacker at the, you know, the point of attack to open holes. Because this offense is as sexy as Odell Beckham Jr. catching passes from Baker Mayfield is, it's gonna it, a lot of it revolves around play action. Mm-hmm. You have to have a good running game for that. Which brings us to Chubb. And I love, I it killed me. Why did he not play like the first eight weeks of the season? You, Duke Johnson is never going to be a, an RB1. He's mm-hmm. never going to do it. Um, He's going to get his chance, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, Houston doesn't really have I mean, Lamar Miller, please. Let's not even go there. Um, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Chubb showed from day one that he can grind up tough yards. He can get outside. And, oh, the one thing you knocked me for, catching passes out of the backfield, I can do that, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then... Uh, you know, what I think what really helped is Cleveland had that really stout offensive line last year after years of just having a sieve in front of their quarterbacks. Um, I think they led the league, at least in the second half, in fewest sacks allowed. I yep. think Baker was only sacked five times in the second half of the season. Well, it doesn't hurt that uh, Baker can get around. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's, He's very good at extending. Yes. Um, but I think that's that's the biggest weakness on Cleveland's team right now is that offensive line. Right. It's trading Zeitler in the, in the Vernon deal. Who's plugging that hole? You know, um, you know, getting there, there's some depth there, which is good. You have to have offensive line depth to be successful because those are that's that's the point of attack for every play, right? Um, but I mean, what I really like about the Browns is the defense. Like, I love Garrett. Uh, you know, uh, Miles Garrett. I think he's a beast, um, and he's getting better. Yeah, too. surprisingly, he played the the run pretty well last year, which was another knock. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's he's just a bull rushing type of guy. Um, he dropped 10 pounds this offseason yeah. and got faster. He looks great, you know. Um, that third-round pick, uh, Takataki. Right. Um, he's probably played himself into a starting role. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, there are a lot of people in the third-round air, they're like, why are they drafting this dude? <laughs> Linebacker was a point of contention on the defense last year. 
and Dorsey's really pumped a lot of young blood in there. I like Greedy Williams, but what uh, Kitchens and his staff need to do is be prepared for a lot of like Marcus Peters type thing. He may pull down nine picks. He's probably given up a lot of big plays. That's just the game they play. Um, so how do the Browns finish this year? Well, I mean, I see them honestly winning 11 games. Uh, I think they drop one each to Steelers and Ravens. It's just those are huge grudge matches. And both teams got a lot better than they were last year. Mm-hmm. Granted, Cleveland did as well. But again, th- these are rivalry games. Um, Absolutely. And I honestly, again, I don't see him beating New England, <laughs> the Rams, or Seattle. Okay. See, Seattle's just, I don't know how they managed to do it. Uh, they consistently put out 9, 10, 11 game winners every year, which is crazy considering, you know, the, how their team is constantly in flux. You know, they went from the Legion of Boom to, okay, now Russell Wilson. How's all, it's just crazy how they do it. And I, you can't, you'd be crazy to count them out. But on top of that, like this Cleveland team's young. And they're, they've been losers for since 1999. You know, so you need time to kind of remake that kind of uh, uh, franchise identity. You know, and Kitchens has a big, he's got a big job ahead of him. A guy whose only job as a coordinator was last season, you know, and now he's a head coach in the NFL running his own ship. I mean, it's good that he's got that rapport with Mayfield. He's got a lot of support from John Dorsey. But the talent with this team if one thing goes bad and they don't equal last year's wins, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be rough. Um, but, I mean, I just there's just too much talent there for me to really say there's no way the Browns aren't going to win the division. Um, so while the Browns brought a lot of talent in, the Steelers lost some big-name talent. Yeah. Um, Antonio Brown goes to Oakland. Le'Veon Bell goes to New York. Did they do enough to fill those holes? Well, I mean, James Conner already showed he could fill Le'Veon Bell's whole, you know shoes. He may not do it as well as Bell. Bell at the top of his game, good luck. I, I we like guys our age have not seen a runner that's as patient as Le'Veon Bell. Um, he was just managed to squeak in. You know, he cuts well. Like Le'Veon Bell is just a once in a lifetime running back. Hopefully, you know he can get that kind of production back after sitting out a year. Uh, but I like James Conner. I think the biggest knock against Conner is even in Pittsburgh, you know, in college, you know, he tore his MCL. He's, he's kind of been bitten by the injury bug. Last year, he only played 13 games. Mm. Um, but, you know, he catches the, ball well, catches the ball well out of the backfield, runs well between tackles and get outside. Like, he, he's tailor-made for that offense. Um, I like Jojo Smith-Schuster. I thought he did a great job as a compliment. I like Juju Smith-Schuster. I thought he was, did really well as a compliment to Antonio Brown last year, but now he's going to be wide receiver one. Um, and what does Pittsburgh have <laughs> behind him, you know, to, to kind of ensure that Schuster's not double teamed every time off the, the line of scrimmage? Um, but I mean, and they still got Ben, you know. Uh, ben, even at 70 80%, is still better than a lot of quarterbacks in the league. So, um I don't really think you can count them out. You're going to have a drop-off, though, losing a talent like Antonio Brown. And, you know, Pittsburgh defensively, like they, we, we've seen them go from, like, the, the, the team revolves around the defense to now we got the killer bees, you know. Um, and it, they seem to kind of put a, a more of a focus on the defense, but it's still not there. I think what really shored up and kind of changed the trajectory of their defense was when the Browns kicked Joe Hayden to the curb. Um you know, because he was injured all the time. 
he did struggle his last few years in Cleveland. He gets to Pittsburgh and like his career is revitalized. Pittsburgh you know? dodged a bullet though this week. Uh, Joe Hayden did only have suffer a minor anchor, ankle yeah. injury. Um, so thankfully he'll be back guarding wide receiver ones yeah. across the league. You know, but I mean, it's the Steelers, you know, they have, uh, you know, Craig Hayward, uh, TJ Watt, you know, they, they've got some good pieces on defense. Uh, it's just how, how are they going to be able to keep up with Baltimore and Cleveland, you know, as when you get down to those, uh, division games late in the season, uh, I just, I think both Baltimore and Cleveland got much better on offense quicker than Pittsburgh's getting better on defense. Um, you know, playing in Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland in the winners, you know, those come down to defensive slogs at the end. So where does that get them? I mean, I if if things don't fall well for Cleveland, like say OBJ gets hurt again, uh, Chubb doesn't play as well, and then you're waiting a couple extra weeks to get to Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Hunt doesn't slide in and fit in as running back too. Uh Pittsburgh can easily win the division because that's what Pittsburgh does. They manage to pull games out they're not supposed to, but I don't see them winning any less than nine. Uh, they're just they're a good team right now. I don't think they're great, but I would not be surprised to see them take advantage of any mistake that Cleveland makes to kind of uh, get you know hurdle them in the standings. We talked a little bit earlier about Lamar Jackson, Ravens offense. He's not known as a passer. You said he showed. Some progress last night. Um, will the Ravens be able to compete without the strong passing game? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. Greg Roman's the new offensive coordinator there. Uh, Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco when Colin Kaepernick was throwing for 3,800 yards or 3,700 yards and rushing for over 1,000. Uh, he knows how to work with mobile quarterbacks. Okay? And when you get down to it, what, what regardless of what your feelings on Cap are, his mechanics were better. He was game plan for better. You know, the, the game was better for him when Greg Roman was there. Greg, no, Greg Roman knows how to work with a mobile quarterback. Um, and like I said, we, we only got a limited picture of what Jackson did last night. But, I mean, the footwork's different. You know, the, the where the ball's being released is different. He just looked like a more comfortable quarterback. Because, mm. uh, you know, last year, nine games, eight games, he had 1,900 yards on offense, and 700 of them were rushing almost. So last year, well, that was his first – uh, instinct was pocket broke down. I'll just get outside and, and take off. But I mean, a lot of those receivers Baltimore had were slow. They weren't going to be able to extend plays, uh, and that, that's kind of different. They drafted the excuse me the wide receiver from Oklahoma, not the biggest guy, but he's a speedy guy, right? You know, uh, and that's really important when you got a guy like Lamar Jackson because it's the same way Baker does. He slides out away from contact. He's able to get outside the pocket. And then throw it to receivers who actually have some speed to extend their route trees and, and get away from their defenders. So I, that's going to be good. Uh, you know, the Mark Ingram pickup from Baltimore was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mark Ingram showed that he's better off in tandem. So who's Baltimore going to run with him? Mark Ingram cannot carry the load by himself. Uh, you just look at the first three years he was in the league. He didn't do anything really until Kamara really slid in next to him. And then they just, it was a, a great team. Um you know, their defense is still is still good. It's a solid defense. It's it's a hardball team. You know, it's whether it's John or Jim, it's a hardball team. You know, they're going to play good defense. And I give Harbaugh a lot of credit in that he understood, I have to move away from Flacco. I'm going to put Lamar in. We're going to 
keep a really limited playbook form, and then going into the offseason, we'll throw the book at him. And then Lamar Jackson came back and showed, I've worked at my craft, I studied my playbook, you know, and I think that's going to be good for Baltimore. But I think they ultimately won 10 games. Um, and I could honestly see them being a wild card team. But, I mean, this is all saying that things fall right. Like, it's, right. If, if Jackson were to get hurt, uh, no. RG3 is not taking it anywhere. Okay, he's he might take you to the hospital because he hurt himself again. But, you know, that's an important thing. Mark Ingram, his health, if he gets a little bit of that injury bug again, you know, who's Baltimore got to run the ball? You know, it, a hardball team is going to be heavy play action, you know, just, just like Cleveland. Right. You have to have a running game to sell a play action. You don't have a running game. It's essentially just you faking a handoff and then getting destroyed, you know. So, I mean, it, this is all... Uh, you know, predicated on uh, things falling right. But Baltimore's a good enough team to win 10 games. Okay. Um, finally, in the AFC North, we got Cincinnati, where things are just a mess. Boo. Uh, they finally fire Mar- Marvin Lewis after 16 seasons. However, they're still likely to finish at the bottom of this division. Uh, how bad are things in Southern I, Ohio? I don't... Me, as I just don't get the Zach Taylor hiring. Mm. He was an offensive coordinator, you know in Miami, and he actually got Ryan Tannenhill uh, to put up decent numbers, which is shocking to me. Um, but it's because he's connected to Sean McVay. That's that's what it was. That's why he got that job. You know, it's like, oh, man, he was a quarterback's coach for a up-tempo, you know, constantly moving offense, and that's what we want to do. Okay, that's all well and good, but you still have Andy Dalton as your QB, and uh, that's going to be a common thread through this entire episode is the average quarterbacks who make superstar quarterback money. Yeah, we'll definitely get to uh, okay. the obvious yes. one next uh, in a little bit. Yeah, it, but Dalton's on that list. <laughs> like, he's just not – he's never impressed me. Um, you know, he, he's, he showed what he was in the first two or three years in the league. He's, a, he's an okay quarterback. Uh, but he's going to be one of those guys that you have to put talent around. He's only as good as the people around him. He does not elevate a team. Um, and on top of that, like, the running game is just abysmal. Uh, their offensive line isn't good. Um, you know, their defense didn't get any better. And, like, their draft record the last few years has been just, ugh. I mean, look at John Ross. Runs like a four two eight forty. Bengals like, got to have him. He's only got, like, 140-something yards receiving in two seasons. Mm. You know, um, and they're they're depending on him this year. And it's like, I, I just don't get it. Uh, like, this should have been, okay, we're going to hire Zach Taylor, but you blow it up completely. You know, take it down to the bolts like Miami's doing and start from scratch. Um, but, you know, it's Cincy and the Brown family's like, well, we can suck, but maybe we can stay in the hunt, you know. And it's, no, dude, this team is, is bad. And How far out of the hunt are you know, they? 4-12. 4-12. I mean, this is not a good team. Uh, you know, last episode, there, like I said, there are personnel people in the NFL that are on record saying Miami has the least talented team in the NFL. Uh, Cincinnati's not far behind them. For the NFC North, uh, the Lions have been down for several years. It's coaches, but is that enough to turn the team around? Well, I mean, Matt Patricia, I don't know what he was doing last year. I was, I was just dumbfounded by some of the... You know, in-game uh, decisions, and, uh, you know, you look at me as a Patriots fan, what he did on defense, coaching the defense to the point where Belichick was just like, no, you take care of it. I trust you. 
So he made the in-game adjustments. You know, he did these things. And then they paid off. You know, they went three Super Bowls with Patricia uh, coaching the defense. Get to Detroit, and you're just like, what the hell is going on? Uh, and, you know, that's Matt Stafford, you know, threw for bajillions of yards, but has never won anything. And again, he's one of those guys who really benefited from Megatron when he was there. Okay. Um, and he's the highest paid quarterback. Yeah. He, he's, he's the high, you know, this average guy making superstar quarterback money. Um, <clears throat> you know, but if Patricia really wants to make a dent, um, you got carry on Johnson there who was looking really good before he got hurt, mm. uh, running back on Auburn. Um, make him more of a, a focal point of that offense. You know, take some of the heat off Stafford because, I mean, he, again, who's he throwing to? You know, he had Eric Ebron who maybe threw, you know, it's, it's a 50-50 thing. He didn't really put in the work. And Stafford wasn't throwing him the ball anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at what Ebron did last year in Indy, like 900 yards and led the league in touchdown catches or was like in the top five. Um, you know, so the talent, he had talent there. It's just... You know, Stafford just does Stafford things. Um, they brought in Trey Flowers from New England, which, okay, we know Bill doesn't pay defensive linemen. He just finds them, uh, plugs in the new guy, and, and they carry on. But, I mean, it's still I, – I, Detroit's just one of those teams that always seems to kind of be in a rut uh, because they don't hit on enough draft picks. And where do they – how many? How many do they eke out this year? Six. Six. I, I just and it, it's it's the ones I picked. They be Arizona, the Giants, Oakland, Washington, one against Minnesota, and then Tampa. So one and five in the division. Yeah. On the flip side, you got the the Bears who are putting everything together. The Bears. Um, they had one of, if not the top defense in the league after trading for Khalil Mack. Um, where does Chicago stand in the North? Well, I mean, the, the, the defense is still going to be top five. Mm-hmm. But losing Vic Fangio is going to be a big, uh, you know, that, that's going to be something they have to overcome. They, they have talent and depth on the entire defensive side of the ball, but Fangio was just a great game planner. He just knew where to put players to really, so, to let them show off their strengths and cover up weaknesses of other, you know, players. Uh, and, it, I mean, it does not hurt that Khalil Mack is there. I mean, the guy showed he didn't even understand the the playbook, and in the first two games, the guy had what like three sacks, two forced fumbles. Like he he's just a force of nature. Um, so I can see why he doubled down and kind of sacrificed the future for the now uh, when they made that trade. Uh, Trubisky, he's always going to be Mitch. He's never going to be Mitchell, no matter how hard he tries to get me to do it. Um, he took a big step last year, and this is a second year quarterback throwing to who. Uh, you know, not a lot, not to say that they're not good. They're just not names. Um, you know, they're pretty deep there. And then they brought in Cordero Patterson this year from the Patriots, of course, uh, who's shown that he will run the ball for you. Like he played three games as a running back. Um, and he's a good returner. So, I mean, you're, you're getting a little bit of value because he's shown he, he's not really a, a consistent enough pass catching threat. That's always been the knock against Cordero Patterson. Um, but I mean, they are just, they got Tariq Cohen, who's kind of undersized for running back, but he is a huge part of that offense and he, he's able to catch the ball really well out of the backfield. Chicago's just got a really good all around team with the exception of a kicker when we've seen that that was their Achilles heel last year. Um, but I mean, 
this front office and it's just managed to say, you know what, it's time for the Bears to to be the Bears from the eighties. Like let's let's play strong defense, let's get good quarterback play, and let's face it, Trubisky is twice the athlete Jim McMahon ever was going to be. Um, so I mean, this is going to be a rough team to play. Like I I, I wouldn't want a game plan for this team ever. Um, how many do they win this year? I think twelve. Twelve. Yeah, I mean, this is just a good team. Um, I am losing to New Orleans, the Chargers, Dallas, and KC. Okay. Um, New Orleans, I think, is just still going to be a rough team. It's Drew Brees. They still got Kamara. They got Michael Thomas. Their defense have, has gotten so much better in the last two to three years. Um, the Chargers are another good team. Uh, I just, I guarantee right now, Phil Burgers is just like, this should be my time after the Peyton Manning Broncos, and then he's got to deal with the Pat Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, Dallas... I mean, let's face it, Chicago always manages to drop one game they shouldn't. Dallas, if you've got Cooper, uh, Zeke, and Dak all on the field at the same time, which is still not a given thing, um, you know, that, that that's a rough trio, you know. And on top of that, da- Dallas arguably has the best offensive line in the game. And then Kansas City is just Kansas City. Like, they managed to get points from all over the field, and Mahomes is just – He's that good. But do you think they run the division? Yeah. Oh, easily. All right. Um, Green Bay, uh, speaking of coaching changes, uh, Green Bay replaced Mike McCarthy at head coach, but Aaron Rodgers is still making the calls there. Um, can Green, can Aaron Rodgers will them back to the playoffs? I, if they're doing it, it's as, well, it's as a wild card. They're, they're not winning that division. Not with the Bears in that. Division. No, no, and I like I'm still not sold on the floor as a head coach. I don't think he really did enough in Tennessee to to warrant a head coaching job. Um, I mean it, it's all in how you interview. I mean look at some of these guys that have been head. Co- Rich Kotite was a head coach at one point. Hugh Jackson. All right, I know that one okay. all too yeah. well. <laughs> so it's like, dude, you have no business running a team. Like you have zero business running a team. Um. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, like, what was the big thing, you know, last season? He and Mike McCarthy are button heads. He's ignoring the play calls from the sideline and just doing his thing on the field. Um, so far, so good. You know, everything in cheese lands, fine. But what happens in week eight when Rodgers is just like, you know what, screw it. Uh, I don't like that play. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah, you know, I'm the captain now, you know. Uh, and But, I mean, it's, it's still Aaron Rodgers. The guy's still top five. NFL quarterback. Definitely. Um, and I don't know, but the, this he, he's going to be dependent on him even more this year because I, I don't know what they're doing at running back. They've got six running backs on the roster right now. And not one of them is a guy that I think will even carry the ball 15 times a game. So if you're going to do running back by the by committee, like you, you have to have kind of the, the lead guy, the guy who's going to get the majority of the carries. And you still want to have approaching 100, 110 rushing yards a game. I looked at that depth chart. I didn't recognize one name on it. Mm. You know? Um, and then when you look at the wideouts on offense, Devontae Adams, I know that guy. Pretty good wide receiver. I got and then who? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they have the best names in football. Geronimo Allison, Equinemia St. Brown, KB and Ento. Like, these are, this is like the best names of wideouts in football. But, like, you're going to have to have somebody step up and, and play the slot and be the second man, you know, the, the wide receiver two on the field next to Devontae Adams. Otherwise, Adams is just, he's going to get blanketed, you know. Um, 
So, I mean, that, that's something that they have to address. And let's, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has taken a beat in the last few years. That Green Bay offensive line hasn't been that great. So, you know, they, that, that offense is kind of, it isn't what it was five years ago. You know, when Aaron Rodgers was able to just kind of look at something, talk, I mean, there was, that's what he built his reputation on being able to slide in the pocket, avoid the rush ball out. He's not even getting that anymore. So, um, and on that defense, they lost Clay Matthews, which the guy missed six games a year anyway, it seemed like. And they didn't, they got younger, which is good, but they didn't per se get better. So I just don't see any be, seeing them being able to stop teams consistently. Like they play in the same division as Chicago and Minnesota. Um, you know, those are two teams that can put numbers up, you know. So I don't see them being able to, to consistently to stop teams from scoring. So I don't, I don't see them being able to catch Chicago, but they can fall into a wild card spot. So they went six and nine last year. I can see them going nine and seven. Nine and seven? Yeah. Okay. Um, and finally, wrapping up our NFC North preview, uh, Kirk Cousins is still the second highest paid quarterback in the league. Uh, despite a losing record and a mediocre QB rating last season. Is this the year that he and the Vikings can finally turn it around? You don't win with Kirk Cousins. You don't do it. I'm sorry. He was... How he managed to get almost like 80% of his contract guaranteed kills me. Um, Because like you said, he's he's a 500 quarterback at best. Um, I think he's less than that. He's... 30 and 34? Yeah, maybe. All I know is that he, it seems he feasts on the bad teams to pad his numbers and then struggles with the good teams. Now, I don't think you're going to do that in Minnesota because that Diggs and Thylen at the wide receivers are just, that's an amazing duo to have. Uh, but they don't have anybody to play slot. They drafted Laquan Treadwell a couple years ago and he's done nothing. Uh, you know, so they're, they're going to have to find somebody to, to step up and, and play the slot receiver. Uh, I love Dalvin Cook. He just needs to stay healthy. Like, they, he has to be healthy, which is all predicated on a, a really odd uh, offensive line pairing that they had. Like, they the, the starting five changed multiple times for Minnesota last season. Um, and they didn't really get any – they weren't able to gel as a unit, and it showed. Um, you know, but, I mean, if they, if they are able to iron that out and they can provide decent protection for Cousins – and let Cook, you know, hit his holes, that's going to be a really good offense. Uh, and again, they still got Randolph at, at tight end. You know, so to say that they're out, um, you know, they'll be able to score some games. But, I mean, watch Minnesota last year. One game they're putting up 30, the next game they put up 17. You know, it's just a really inconsistent offense. Um, and their defense is top five. It has been the last few years. So that'll keep them in some games. But... I don't think that they're winning the division next year and that they're going to be an 8-8 eight eight team at best. Big news today. Antonio Brown continues to surround himself with drama. Uh, <laughs> first, he gets frostbite on his feet in Oakland, and now he's refusing to play because of a helmet issue? Yes. Uh, the NFL used to grandfather older helmets in. Uh, Brady was a dude who used to wear the old Riddells. Um and they had a grandfather clause. They would let you wear older ones. I don't know what the exact circumstance behind it was, but uh, this year the NFL did away with that. So Antonio Brown essentially said, I'm not playing unless I can wear my old helmet, which I think is just crazy because God forbid the NFL 
who went decades without caring about your physical health starts ensuring that, you know, better protection, you know, protective equipment is being provided for you. Um, and let's face it, it's a, it's a helmet. You know, you might want to protect your brain. Right. Um, you know, wear the new stuff. I mean, you, you, how many, you got what, 53 players per roster plus a 12 man practice squad. I've only ever seen three people throw a fit about the helmet. And those were? Uh, Brady was one of them. Brown. And there was one other guy. I can't remember. I think it actually might might have been Michael Bennett, uh, who also threw fit about shoulder pads that he was required to wear. Um, And now he's threatening retirement. Do you think there's any seriousness to that? I mean, the thing is with Antonio Brown, you never know. The guy just, he marches to the beat of his own drum. Uh, And I respect that. I really do. I'm all about be your own weirdo, man. But, you know, Oakland got you for nothing. You are a huge part of that offense. Get out there and play, man. It's just a helmet. Find one that fits. There's like 18 authorized models. Find one, you know? Now, there's got to be one that fits yeah, and works for him. Exactly. And it's going to be a lot safer, you know, and it's going to give you a better quality of life when you leave the league. And, you know, you're not so brain damaged that you can't even, you know, tell people who you are and what you did at the end of your life, you know? So, I mean, it's, it, I think it's stupid. Um, you know me, I'm all about players uh, making their money, getting the respect that they're due. They're, they put out there every game for us as fans to enjoy, but this is the, might be one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of. Um, and I right now, I guarantee old John Gruden and Mark Davis are cringing because if he doesn't show, and the off chance he doesn't show, because I really don't, I, this is just Antonio Brown being Antonio Brown, uh, the off chance he doesn't show, like, th- that's essentially the end of Derek Carr's career. He put up good numbers last year, but you could tell Gruden doesn't like him as a mm. quarterback. Uh, you know, that's why he's, you know, Nathan Peterman, man, I'm going to make something great about him, see something in him. Dude, shut up. Nathan Peterman sucks, okay? Um, but you could just tell that Carr is not Gruden's man, and I don't think he's going to stick with him. Um, so, I mean, it's Brown doesn't show up, and Carr can't put up those numbers. You can essentially say goodbye to Carr. You're taking out a lot of the wind of the excitement, moving into Vegas, into a new stadium. You know, that's not what you want to do. Like, it's just, this is such a headache. And, of course, it's the Raiders, and it's Antonio Brown. Like, literally, you put two of, the, two of the most dysfunctional things on the planet together. What do you think is going to happen? Um, moving from Antonio Brown to the feel-good story of the week, um, Damon, Shahi, Giuseppe uh, had a big week for the Browns after an unusual route to the league. Yes. Uh, what about this kid is so special? Well, he only played at a junior college, Phoenix College, for two years. And the last time he played was in 2016. Before he lost his scholarship. Yep, he lost his scholarship. And he linked up with an NFL trainer, uh, slept outside on the ground in front of a 24-hour fitness place. For, I think, two days. Yeah, and then lied to get into a private workout held in Miami by the Browns <laughs> by saying he knew the team president, uh, Alonzo Highsmith. Um, then he runs a 4-3-8. 4 which is nuts considering, you know, the guy's... Working to pay the bills and trying to get training in. And hasn't played in three and years. And hasn't played in three years. And then last night, uh, you know, 86-yard punt returned to the house. And, and cleats he had to borrow from Odell Beckham. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I love that story, man. I mean, it's it's a long shot of him sticking around. Uh, you know, a lot of teams don't teams don't do like they used to, like Devin Hester, where they kept the returner. That takes up a roster spot. Uh, you know, you you have to have multiple uses. And but I mean, dude, I want him to stick around. I just think that's so cool that you know, sure he lied, but I mean, it's like it, it for me. You're chasing your dream, dude. Like, do it. And then last night it was just really cool, and I got it. It was the last two minutes of the game. Um, but it's still not an easy it, feat, no. no matter what. He wasn't what even touched. Tier of team you're playing, he wasn't even touched, and he was at top speed within five yards. That was the crazy thing. The way he just blew by everybody. Um, and I'm, you know, people can sit there and say what they want about preseason football, but the fact of the matter is, a lot of these guys are trying to make the roster. Mm-hmm. They're putting out everything they got, and you got got a guy like old Giuseppe there. Who's just like nope, takes it to the house. You know, I love that stuff. Would love to see him make a team. Oh, any um, team, any team. Yeah, and I tell you right now, if he makes it, if he makes a roster, I'm buying a jersey. I did it for Danny Woodhead. And, you know, he was a non-roster invitee, cut by the Jets. The Pats pick him up, and he had a really good career. Uh, I mean, injuries kind of got him at the end, but Division Two, Shepherd State out of Nebraska. I'm from Cleveland. You know, we're all about hope. So I, I, I want him to stick around in Cleveland, but I'll take him wherever he's at. Oh, it's a good story. I mean, that's what we need more of. Because you know, sometimes you just get burnt out on 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 the negative stuff. Uh, so I mean, it's it's really cool that it, I would like to run a touchdown back in a preseason game, even just for my my five minutes of glory. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd love to do that. So I'm I'm pumped for the guy, and I want to see him make a roster. Let's take a look at Major League Baseball. We're entering the final two months of the season. It's yes. time to start looking at what teams need to do to make the playoffs. There's a couple of divisions that are pretty well locked up. Uh, the Yankees are sitting pretty with a 10.5 game lead on the Rays. Uh, Minnesota has a one game lead in the Central on the Indians. Uh, tonight's game two of a four game series between the clubs. And the Indians are up, I believe it's 5 nothing right now, um, in the 5th or 6th inning. Um, and Houston continues to dominate with a 9.5 game lead over Oakland. On the wild card side in the American League, Cleveland and Tampa Bay hold the wild card spots. Oakland is tied with Tampa Bay. Who's pretending? Who's, who's going to make it? What, those, are we, what are we looking at? Those wild cards, I mean... I didn't like the whole wild card thing. Not not the when they expanded the playoffs, but that second one because like a one game playoff and then you you know the team goes on. I would have liked him seeing him add like a whole other bracket, but um, I mean Oakland's got a good team. I don't know how Billy Bean does it. I really have no clue. Uh, the way he's able to pull strings and just get these players and then he, he drafts well, um, you know. And then Houston just you know like we talked about that that's starting. Uh, five that rotation, I don't want to see that. I don't even want to sniff it. But to get out of the American League, you're going to have to. All roads are going to have to yeah. get through that that starting rotation. You know, um, like Boston, I was really scared of until late June. Um, their kind of their pitching just went to trash, um, which doesn't hurt my feelings whatsoever. But uh, you know, you still got the Yankees who can crush the ball. A mile with almost everybody that lineup, and it, when you look at how many injuries they've had, it's crazy the way how good their offense is. So, um, but the great thing about the Yankees for me as the Indians fan is their pitch, their rotation isn't as good. 
So if the Indians can continue to play good baseball from here on out, and I'm talking good baseball, like they have been, the Indians got a shot. You know, pitching gets you places in the postseason. So, I mean, it's just, it's going to be how they play. Um, you know, having Puig and Reyes there, I love that. Kipnis has figured out how to hit a baseball again. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez is back. Uh, Santana's batting almost 280 for the first time in his career. I mean, it's that's something I'm just pretty pumped about. Um, so, I mean... Right now, when you get down to it, your 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 AL favorite has got to be uh, Houston. They're just too good from top to bottom. Um, uh, you know, but in the NL, you know, you've got the big lead in the West with the Dodgers. You know, but so, the rest of the, the rest of the league's a lot closer yeah. than. I mean, look at the Central. Like the Central's kind of packed and truncated mm-hmm. there, with the exception of Cincinnati, uh, who I will now refer to as hot garbage. Um, or not Cincy, but uh, Pittsburgh, I think, is also there as well. Um, but, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to get a repeat of a lot of these teams um, that we've seen the last few years. You know, Atlanta's if, up five and a half on yeah. Washington. And I, I think people should be terrified of Atlanta. The Baby Braves are just able to hit, pitch, play defense. They're just such a good team overall. Um and truth be told, I was happy when they sucked because of losing one World Series to them. <laughs> 1995. Yep, never forget it. Um, but when you get down to it, uh, they've just completely re- revamped that franchise. And they have all these players on these uh, team-friendly deals. The, the, the Braves are going to be good for a long time again. Um, you know, LA's LA. What they can't draft, they'll buy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the Central, Chicago. They got three and a half on Milwaukee right now. Yeah, and that's been the most uh, off their rocker team the entire season. I don't understand. I mean, there's even calls that Joe Madden should get fired. Mm. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Uh, but that's an insanely talented team. You know, we saw that in 2016. Um, You're just breaking my heart bringing up all these old World Series. You know what, dude? It happens. Sometimes you got to go into the Wayback Machine and and deal with the hurt. Um, The wild card picture is very tight. Washington, Milwaukee have the spots, but the Mets, Phillies, and Cardinals are only a half game back. Yeah, and right now, the the crazy thing is, is nobody wants to play the Mets. You know, they've won... My father-in-law will be very happy to hear that. Yeah, the, they've won 13 or 14 of the past 15 or 16 games. It's crazy. And this was a team that was left for dead a month ago. Uh, and when they picked up Marcus Stroman, everybody's like, what the hell is going on? Why are they swinging this trade? And then they just, you know, are coming out of nowhere. They've won nine of their last ten. They are down 5-3 right now to Washington. Well, see, that that's the you can't lose those games in the East right now. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to make the playoffs, those are the games you have to win. But I mean, like, you know, the Mets are are, are doing Mets things right now. You know, they're they're pitching well, they're hitting well. Um, you know how I feel about Pete Alonso. I love that guy. <laughs> I think he's got the best swing in baseball. Um, but uh, you know, it's the playoff picture. Like, I think once we get to the end of the month and we hit September and we get in that stretch going into the postseason, you'll you'll kind of see things separate. Um, you know, Minnesota's kind of shown that they live and die with the deep ball. Their pitching staff isn't strong. They really do much to to prop it up, and then Nelson Cruz is out with a wrist injury. 
So, I mean, it's, you know, we're going to see the, the separation soon. Um, and God will, I hope that the tribe can get that division. They did just add on an extra run. It's six, nothing now at the end of the top of the fifth. Yeah. I mean, I would, fifth. I would rather go in as a division champ than as wild card. Yeah. yeah. Right now we'd be facing, um, Tampa Bay in the wild card. Yeah. I mean, Tampa, that's sneaky good again, sneaky good again. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Tampa, let's, I mean, for all we know, they're going to be playing half their games in Montreal in a few years <laughs> because nobody in Tampa wants to watch this team for whatever reason. I mean, the Tropicana Dome does suck, but um, you know, but it's 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 a shame because Tampa consistently drafts, develops, and then puts out these good teams. And then what they do is they tear it down, trade off, get more assets. They're down for a few years, and then they're back again. Uh, it, it's an unfortunate business model that they have to that they have to play that way. Like, I hate that they have to do that. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? Right? It, it's the, that horrible economic model that the Major League Baseball is built on. And that's for a whole other episode to talk about. Whenever you are ready. All right, so we've talking about baseball. Let's talk about Fayetteville baseball. Meaning our beloved Woodpeckers. The woodpeckers, yes. Um they did fail. We talked last week about how they had an important series coming up against Myrtle Beach. They failed to create the distance they needed. Um, they lost two of the three. However, the important thing is they did secure the tiebreaker with Myrtle Beach. So while they are both teams are both down four and a half games uh, on down east, if both teams match game for game here on out, Fayetteville does get the playoff well, that's spot. That's a good thing. Um, they, they won the second half head-to-head record 7-6, I believe. Um, tonight they are in Winston-Salem. Uh, Three-game series, and the Wood Ducks come to town later this week, or early next week. Uh, tonight it is 4-2 Woodpeckers tonight against Winston-Salem. Um Woodpeckers have been playing pretty well. Uh, they they split with Myrtle Beach. They split with Wilmington. Um, they're they're holding their own. Looking heading heading towards the playoffs. They've got about three weeks left of the regular season. Uh, magic number, I believe, is nineteen though, uh, because of that tie with yeah Myrtle Beach. Now, time for Fayetteville's other baseball team. Maybe not professional, but our our. Collegiate Summer League with the Swamp Dogs. They were in the playoffs last week. They were. They did, unfortunately, fall in Game 1, thus ending their season. They lost 5-3 to Moorhead City. Um, They finished their 19th season here in Fayetteville, 24-26. They made the playoffs. They just couldn't quite get over the bump with Moorhead City. Um, We're definitely hoping to get some of the management from that team out. We'd love to do a recap season session with them. on their season. So hopefully we'll be looking at that soon. Well, I mean, that, that would be good. Uh, you know, especially with the woodpeckers here, I can see how the swamp dogs might kind of get lost in the shuffle there. Um, but let's let people know that they're still out there playing, uh, America's pastime. And the games are a lot of fun too. Um, it's unfortunate that the season's over. It's such a short season. They're, they only play 50 games. Um, well, they have to go back to school, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I did manage to take in, 
six or seven games this year, and they were enjoyable. I had fun. Um, I had fun the game we went to. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, like I was telling you, I thought it was hilarious watching people essentially learn how to use wooden bat. Um, because uh, you could tell a lot of those guys were just uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and that goes for both of the teams here yeah. in Fayetteville. They're, they're both new to swinging a wooden bat. Um, they're, they've been swinging that aluminum bat. It's a, it's a whole different structure. For the record, I hate aluminum bats. I hate them. Everybody <laughs> everybody should have to use wooden bat. So, last weekend we had uh, maybe one of our more niche Fayetteville sports in our roller derby team. I love watching the roller derby. Um, it, it's one of those sports where being in a specific shape is not necessarily an advantage or disadvantage. Um, it's very positive towards body types, men and women. Um I had a lot of fun. My wife and I went and managed to make it out to the roller derby. It was they they called it the mashup of fire and ice. So it was all Game of Thrones themed. Um, two bouts. The first bout was the rookie skaters, uh, the Lions versus the Dire Wolves. Um, Lions jumped out to an early lead, but the Dire Wolves rallied to dominate that first half. Um, dire Wolves got a strong performance from skaters Salty Beach and Gaber Tooth. It was a co-ed game, so there were guys and girls on the on, on the track by uh, together. Yeah. Um, the Lions' first half was led by Jammers Lucan and Graceful Dread, um, but the Direwolves did lead 95-71 at halftime. The second half, it was just an onslaught by the Direwolves. They continued to rack up the points on the backs of Salty Beach, Gaber Tooth, and Boston Bruza. Um with six minutes left, they were up 100 points and tacked on another 40-point lead, closing it out. The final score on that one was 285 to 143. Um, it was a ton of fun to watch. These are guys who, if I understand correctly, it was their first time playing in a bout. Okay. Um, so these weren't the the ranked players. These weren't players who have been doing this for some time. It was it was It was sloppy but fun. Um, yeah, I mean, and th- th- when you get down to it, that's what you're there for anyway. Like, right. roller derby is supposed to be something that's fun. I mean, it, that's that's kind of what's cool about it is, is it is competitive, but it's also a little bit irreverent, you know. You can tell everybody that's involved is just out there enjoying themselves and whipping around, you know, a platform on roller skates, beating the piss out of each other. Right. You know. Um, MVP jammers for the rookie bout. Uh, the Lions, Graceful Dread won that honor while the Dire Wolves uh, Salty Beach one. Uh, the blockers, the Lions MVP blocker was Lucan, and the Dire Wolves Boston Bruza took home that honor. Um, the really entertaining bout of the night was the All-Star bout later. The Westeros All-Stars and the White Walkers <laughs> went up against each other. Uh, there was a great twist on that. There were about 10 or 12 different scenarios that you could donate money to put a twist on that game um skaters skate the opposite direction you could send players to the penalty box or save players from the penalty box um you can take out the lead jammer which means you skate the full two minutes nobody can call it off nice um it was a lot of fun and it put twists in the matchup like you wouldn't believe um in the first half it was a very close first half the Whites got a lead from Bag of Cats and Sweet Cyanide. Uh, Westeros. 
<laughs> Westeros was kept in the match by Walter Cation, who was a, a great skater for uh, Westeros. Um, but the biggest game changers of the first half came right near the end. A fan bought a 20-point deduction for against Whites, uh, which essentially put them about three or four points down. Okay. When they, they had been a little bit more dominant all the first half. Uh, but later, a fan gave him 10 points back and took five from Westeros. Uh, at halftime, the, that made the difference. It was 128-118 uh, White Walkers. Um, the second half, things got even more fun. The Whites came out swinging. Jammer's bag of cats, sweet cyanide, and sweet meat uh, scored a bulk of the points. <laughs> I love the names. Just keep going. The, the, the <laughs> names are great. Um and, and the numbers mean nothing except to the players. Yeah. Um, Walter Cation, Tichy, and Feeling Froggy kept Westeros close. Uh, they made a really strong charge to be down about 16 points halfway through the second half. Um, about 10 minutes left, it was they were down 16. But the White Walkers just proved too much. Their jammers kept at it. 64-26 in the final few minutes, so West, uh, Westeros fell 216-267 to the White Walkers. Um, watching these players skate the opposite direction, um, using muscles that they weren't using previously was a lot of fun. I, I can't even imagine uh, one using roller skates and then picking up steam and then blasting into somebody, because I don't think I'm that coordinated. Um, I know I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but just, I think it's crazy how they do it. Uh, I admire those, you know, the men and women that do play. Uh, because one, I just like watching people beat the crap out of each other. And what's great about it is that's what they do the entire match. And then they get up and go have a beer together. Right. You know, just kind of that kind of, that camaraderie is great. Right. Um, MVP jammers in that second round for the White Walkers, Sweet Cyanide uh, for Westeros Tichy. Uh, the MVP blockers for White Walkers were Boomerang, while Westeros Squishy took home that honor. Um, we are we are in talk with the Fayetteville Roller Derby, who hosted that bout. Um, hopefully here in about two weeks, we're going to have a couple of the ladies come out and talk about what they do and um, what Fayetteville Roller Derby is really about. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. They need they need it. Let's let's get some support out there for our you know, our roller derby ladies because they're out there working their tails off for, for us. And like you were telling me, it's not profit. Mm-hmm. So to keep their league running, they, they work double, you know, they, they play in the matches and then I got to go raise funds. So it is definitely one of the most underrated sports here in Fayetteville. We've got a lot of teams blossoming here, but the Fayetteville roller derby is still one of the best bangs for your buck. Um, that was their final home bout of the season. They do have one away one coming up, I think, in Wilmington next week. Okay. Um, but that one will be a more standard bout, ranked, um, whereas this one was a scrimmage. Yeah. Um, but it's it was the last time for Fayetteville Roller Derby in Fayetteville this year. When's your, uh, when's your season, the next season kick off? I believe they start around April. Okay. Um. And we'll definitely cover them more as the season starts next time. Um, but if you haven't seen a roller derby bout, you got to get out. Yeah. There. I mean, I remember seeing one up in Cleveland. 
and it was a while ago. I was a kid, but like I always had fun, and I liked watching it on TV when they had mm-hmm. it on TV. Uh, but let's face it, I also grew up in the eighties when they put a lot of weird stuff on TV. American Gladiators. Uh, you know, we had Papa Shango as a wrestler. You know, a voodoo guy. So I mean, the eighties was a weird time for television, right? Yeah. You know. And that'll bring tonight's episode to a close. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hometown Crowd. You can email us with your questions or suggestions on topics you want us to cover at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. Uh, for Mac, I'm Tim. Thanks for cheering with the Hometown Crowd. <laughs>